right, hello everybody, and welcome to the uh, first episode of the new season of AI at Work. This season, uh, we are covering all, a bunch of Y Combinator companies that are AI focused. Uh, I'm Rob May, I'm a general partner at PJC, um, and the purpose of this podcast is to help you understand some of the tools and trends in um, artificial intelligence being applied in the, in the workspace. So uh, I'm very excited today to have um, Ankit Gordhanis from Intersect Labs here today as my guest. Uh, Ankit, welcome. Thank you. Thanks a lot for having me. I'm super excited to talk about this with you. Yeah, great. So why don't we start by, um, why don't you give me a little bit about your background and then sort of the founding story of Intersect Labs? For sure. So let's, let's back up a few, almost a decade ago, I graduated from MIT uh, back in 2010 with a degree in electrical engineering and computer science. Uh, as I was graduating, I was doing a lot of signal processing. And my first few jobs were doing a lot of signal processing and data analysis, um, and, and then machine learning and data science as well. Um, most recently, uh, my wife and I moved to San Diego in 2017, and I decided to take a break and started doing consulting for a few startups um, to help them do their first machine learning models. And during that time, I started building a tool for myself and when my customers saw that tool, they wanted access to it. Um, so I turned it into a product and then a company called Intersect Labs with my co-founder, Aaron Fried. Awesome. Um, and tell us a little bit, like, so what does Intersect Labs do and who's, who's sort of target customer for your product? So Intersect Labs enables anyone to do machine learning in three clicks. Um, uh, the canonical example we give is Madumo, which is a division of Philips Health. They're using us to predict which patients are likely to no-show their doctor's appointments. Um, our customers are users and team, the teams that have a lot of domain expertise. Uh, they have a lot of data, uh, but because they're not able to, because of the lack of mathematical or uh, programming skills, often both, they're not able to convert their historical data into predictions about the future. Um, and so we empower them uh, to do machine learning. Uh, and the way the product works is super simple. Um, as a user, all you do is upload your historical data in a spreadsheet format right now. You select which column you want to be able to predict. And our platform then cleans your data automatically. It selects a number of machine learning algorithms, uh, trains a number of machine learning models based on the, those algorithms, tunes them, tests them, finds the most accurate one. And all of this is done automatically. And all, the most accurate model is then deployed. So you can start making predictions right away. Um, the predictions made from Intersect Labs can directly integrate into BI tools like Looker and Sysense and Tableau. Mm -hmm. They can directly go into data warehouses like Snowflake and Redshift. Um, they can also go into uh, your CRMs like Salesforce and HubSpot. So we have a lot of integrations. And uh, this means that Intersect Labs today is the most low friction way of not just doing machine learning, but making predictions and making business decisions based on those predictions. Interesting. So one of the things we talked about on a lot of the uh, previous AI at Work episodes is um, getting your data in a good format, mm -hmm. right? So when, when you talk to customers, um, are you seeing, you know, how, how, how much data massaging do they normally have to do for you to ingest it? Are you able to do some data cleansing? Mm -hmm. um, are you mostly working with things that are already in spreadsheets? Are people taking data they have in other formats and putting it into spreadsheets? Like, what's that breakdown like? Yeah, we're actually fortunate uh, because most of our customers, uh, people who care about predictions and, and getting from historical data to predictions, um, uh, at least in our experience, tend to be uh, data analysts or business analysts. Um, these are people who are really good um, at what they do. They know their business problem, but most importantly, uh, they're also extremely good at pulling data together, uh, which means that 
sometimes there's some massaging that needs to be done, but most often there is not that much. Um, for things like missing data, um, categorical variables, if you have strings in your data set or unscaled variables, our platform can take care of all of that automatically. Um, if there are always some odd cases where we have to jump in and help our users uh, restructure the data, uh, but we have internal tools to help them do it really fast. And we're also working on surfacing those internal tools as user tools in the near future. Interesting. So tell us a little bit about the Y Combinator experience. What sort of prompted you to go to Y Combinator? And, um, and you know, and, 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 and what did you get out of it, right? You're in there with a lot of companies that aren't AI companies. Mm -hmm. Do you, you know, do you still feel like it was worth your time? Um, you know, what, what were the primary benefits? Absolutely. So we went through Y Combinator uh, this past summer, summer of 2019. Um, we decided to do it because it seemed like the most natural thing for us to do as a B2B SaaS company. Um, we had built a product, we had had a couple customers come in, but um, we really lacked that knowledge uh, that would enable us to take, a, take this nascent company um, to the next level. And we're really glad we did Y Combinator because uh, it brought a lot of discipline into us. We had to meet with our partners um, once a week, give them updates, we had to meet with a small group of companies every other week, give them updates, and that forced us to really make sure that we were pushing, um, pushing the envelope uh, every single day. Um, and then beyond that, just being around all of these companies, uh, even though they were not primarily AI companies, some of them were, but most of them weren't, um, it was just super inspiring because you had the most committed people, um, the smartest people, um, all doing, going through the same grind day in and day out, um, and all helping each other. That was that was the crazy part. Um, I remember there was one time when one of our customers was making API calls to our server, and there was some errors, um, and they were using I think Ruby to make those API calls. I don't understand any Ruby, so I just wrote a message out to our Slack group, saying, "Hey, anyone help me debug Ruby?" And one person said, "Yep, come on over." And I just went over, and in half an hour we had it figured out, and, and that was crazy. That's awesome, and it's great that Y Combinator has that sort of helpfulness as a value, right, of Absolutely. the people to go there. Mm -hmm. um, rising tides lift all boats. Well, I'll tell you, one of one of the engineers that's worked for me at both my companies, um, who's a really good engineer, likes to say that uh, he does not like Ruby, and uh, <laughs> he likes to say um, Ruby makes uh, easy things hard and hard things harder. <laughs> I believe that. After that experience, I believe it. But I also know who to go to yeah. if I ever run into problems. <laughs> yeah, some people love it, man, and the, the you know. Beginning of Web 2.0, it was the language. So interesting. Uh, so tell me a little bit about uh, some of the trends that you're seeing in machine learning tools and workflows. You know, you guys have been doing this for a while now and started to, to sign more customers. Like, um, how are how are customers in the market starting to think about machine learning? Are you seeing any uh, Are you seeing any patterns emerge? Definitely, I think the. The way the market is structured right now, by and large, um, there's a lot of tools out there that are being built for data scientists and people who do machine learning, right? So um, you have Scale, for example. Um, you have a bunch of other companies that are primarily geared towards making the lives of data scientists super easy. And that's great. Um, there are also a bunch of uh, very vertical specific AI companies that make machine learning easy for non-technical users but for specific uh, niches like growth or marketing. Um, we are slightly different in that 
our product makes it easy for non-technical users to do machine learning, mm-hmm. but it's not niche specific. So it solves the long tail, um, which we think is a bigger market. Um, and, and frankly, more exciting because anyone can now do machine learning very easily. Yeah, um, and that's interesting. I mean, spreadsheets are something a lot of people know how to use, right? Because Absolutely, we, yeah. We learn them early. And, and yeah, our pitch is that if you, can, if you know how to use a spreadsheet, you know how to use Intersect Labs. Yeah. Um, and so what's the buyer's journey like for a tool like yours, right? You know, how, how are people finding out about it? And, and what you know, is your typical point of entry? Is it, is it somebody who's saying like, uh, hey, I can't get time from data science and I want to be able to do this, so they're looking for alternative solutions? Or... Uh, is data science finding you and then telling you know other people like hey use this we don't have time to do it or what's what's that like actually all of those all right so at a couple of our customer companies we got referred to the data analytics teams by the head of data science because the analytics team would bother the data science team hey build me this model make these predictions and the data science team was too busy working on very high roi projects very mission critical projects um so they referred us to the analytics teams uh, at other companies, the analytics team uh, found us and started using us because they often got no time from the data science team. Um, at some other companies, there is no data science team, and it's it's the sales team or the marketing team or the ops team that's that's using us. Um, the common theme, though, is that all across the board, it's teams that have data, want predictions, but don't have access to data scientists, either because they're too busy or because they don't exist at that company. Um, in terms of buyer's journey, it's, it's fairly straightforward. Um, so let's say you want to be a customer. Um, more likely than not, you A, know what you want to be able to predict, and B, you have a bunch of data that you can use to make those predictions. Um, so you approach us, we get you on a demo call. Uh, if you're up for it, the demo call can actually be you, us guiding you through building your first machine learning model from your data on our yeah. platform. Um, and that's a magical moment because so far, machine learning has been this big, uh, difficult beast, right? Yeah. And now they do it in 10 minutes. Oh, I, that, that's something, you know, the, um, some, of the, some of the automation tools out on the market do that as well, yeah. right? Which is that you get in front of them and they automate your first process if it's simple enough on the phone. Um, and that's super powerful, right? Because yeah. like anything else, it's like, okay, you can put in your credit card and this can start right. working for you, right? right? I think that's right. a really, really powerful sales tool. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then, yeah, once, once you trust that this is going to be useful for you, um, and you become a customer, what we do is uh, we offer you a white glove onboarding. Um, so we schedule at least four calls in the first two weeks. Um, and during those four calls, we A, make sure that your machine learning models are as accurate as can be. Um, so if you need help pulling in more data, we'll help you do that. Um, but then once the machine learning models are, are there, uh, what we do is we help you quickly integrate those models into either your BI tools or your database or your warehouse or your uh, CRM um, so that after those two weeks, predictions are fairly automated and, and it's just a very repeatable process for you that you don't have to think about. So you can focus on two things. One, um, use those predictions to make really good business decisions. Mm-hmm. And B, think about more predictions that you can start making using Intersect Labs. Yeah, interesting. And, and how do you think about, when you think about your own product roadmap, how do you make decisions of, about like my initial impression is there's sort of three key vectors for growth. Mm-hmm. One is you take in more types of data and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Um, number two is you do more types of machine learning mm-hmm. and you expand some of the, the models that are available and everything else. And number three is you, you integrate with more endpoints to push the data to when it's done. How do you weight those internally at this phase of growth in the company? 
Yeah, honestly, it's completely customer driven. Um, so we try to talk to most of our customers at least once a week. Um, sometimes customers will say, all right, you know, I've given you enough time. Yeah. We're, we're happy with the product as is. Let's talk once a month and we're happy with that. Um, but during that, during those regular calls, we ask them what they would like. Uh, but more importantly, we see how they use the product. Uh, and so everything that we've built so far. So for example, we have this feature called the simulator, which allows you to uh, play around with the inputs into your system and visualize what the outputs will look like as a graph. Um, and that came about because a couple of our customers were wondering how to set that up in Google Sheets. Um, similarly, we have all these integrations because we saw that our customers were pulling in the predictions and manually uploading them back to their BI tools of choice or their Salesforce or HubSpots. Um, so right now, the, the only thing that matters is what do our customers want and, and how we think uh, we can make it as frictionless as possible for our customers. Awesome. Uh, so one of the questions we always like to ask, what, what's a tech improvement that you are not working on mm. at Intersect Labs, but you wish somebody else would solve because it would make your life easier for the stuff that you do? Is there anything you can think of? <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I can tell you that there's at least a couple of products that I hadn't thought existed, and when I found out they did, um, I was in love with them. One such example is Retool, which is... Uh, uh, an admin dashboard as a service. Uh, we heavily use that within the company. Uh, in terms of other technologies, I think it would be nice if we could have um, a data repository as a service. So for example, uh, when we have a customer who's making predictions and, and one of the columns is say zip code or city name or something, um, and if we think you know, factors like population of the city or some other interesting factors about that city would make predictions more accurate, Right now, we have no easy way of pulling in that data. So it'd be, it'd be interesting to have that repository and have APIs exposed from that repository that we could just call on demand. Interesting. Uh, I have seen some companies like that. I have to think what, the, what the names are. I'll, I'll send those to you. Um, good. And so, so what's in store for 2020? We're almost to the end of the year. Um, actually, this podcast will probably come out in, uh, in early January. So, um, so what are the plans for 2020 for Intersect Labs? Yeah, the plan is to just talk to as many customers as possible, help a lot of customers turn their historical data into predictions uh, and make it as easy as possible for them. Um, our, our overall goal is to empower our users. Uh, that's how we started, right? We, we did not start because we thought this would be a good commercial play, even though I think it is. But uh, more importantly, it's, it's an empowerment play, right? There's a this awesome technology, machine learning, which has unfortunately been accessible to a majority of people out there. Um, yeah. Until now, until very recently, um, if you were on a on one of the top teams at one of the top tier companies, um, mostly tech companies, you had exposure to machine learning. Um, everyone else so far has been guessing. And so our goal for 2020 is to A, make the product um, even easier to use, so even more teams and more companies can start using it, um, and then B, like get to the, all those companies uh, so we can start um, helping them convert their historical data into predictions. All right. So I, uh, so we're going to end on, I'm going to give you a couple of, so I have a bunch of AI theses, right? Okay. As, uh, that I am, I am investing in at PJC. Um, mm -hmm. And when I talk to other AI people, I always like to get their perspectives on it, right? Particularly because like, you know, none of us can, I mean, AI is a massive field. I think that yes. a lot of people don't realize. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's like saying the internet. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah I have, yeah. have theses about the internet. Yeah. Um, 
So, uh, but but I but I I do want to get sort of your your gut reaction on some of these things and whether you think they're whether you'd be bullish or bearish or you know no opinion or whatever. Um, so first one is um, instead of software as a service, we have this thesis at PJC of services as software. So the idea mm. is that you're going to see a lot of systems that keep a human interface or a human inter like interface, but you strip out the back end and you know for physical issues it may be robots mm -hmm. uh, for software it may be algorithms do more and more of the work mm. so our sort of token example of this is a company called botkeeper mm. that does automated bookkeeping and they you know you you email a bookkeeper as if they you know live on the other side of the town sure and then um you upload all your financials to them bill.com whatever uh they take care of it and they build algorithms that get better and better and better about doing your financials automated mm. and mm. so they're you know twice as good and half the price. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I'd be I'd be bullish in that. I think uh, just like with a lot of these things, there needs to be some human oversight, uh, yeah. at least early on, right? It's, it's like automated driving. It, it sounds awesome in theory, right? Like if, if we didn't have drivers, there'd be no accidents, but this, there's a lot of edge cases. So um, there, there's a bunch of companies that are doing doing that really well. So yeah, I'd be bullish on that technology. All right, uh, synthetic data. Ooh, I like it, but I'm also scared. Um, yeah. I would be bullish if it were the right team, if I trusted the team, um, because there's a lot of chances to go wrong and do wrong things, like biases in data and stuff, right? Yeah. So if you, can, if you can have a team that's philosophically super aligned to like, the good of the world and all that, and also cares, cares a lot about that, um, and make sure that the synthetic data actually represents what's out there in the world. Yeah, and that, that's, I, that last point I think is one of the hardest things about that thesis yeah. is, is trying to look at, there are certain use cases like, for example, one of the things I give an example of a lot to people is, if I have a picture of you, mm. um, I don't need to take it in a thousand different types of lighting, I can shade the lighting with Photoshop sure. and it'll be sort of valid for putting into the model. Right. Um, but you know, if I have a text, that's in you know English, and right. I'm trying to generate synthetic English yeah. to build around that. Like that's kind of really hard to do well, right? It is, and, and so yeah, and especially with with how a lot of um, like uh, deep learning and neural networks is structured, you act, you often don't know what's going on inside the model, yeah. right? Which is actually why we don't uh, use uh, neural networks. Most of our customers care about explainability, so we surface things like most predictive columns. Yeah. Um, but there's a classic example of um, pathology slides um, being uh, scored by, or maybe radiology uh, scans uh, being scored by an AI, and um, all the positive, all the ground truth positives, like tumors, um, tumor slides had a ruler in the picture, and all the negative ones did not. And so the neural network was actually looking for a ruler. Yeah. Right. Instead <laughs> of looking at features within the slide. Oh, yeah. and so there's, there's a lot of lot of room for error there, so you got to be super uh, mindful. It's like the um, I don't know if this story is true, so let me preface uh, this comment with that um, qualifier. But you know, Google Ventures is known for have building a bunch of machine learning algorithms uh -huh. to predict company success. Yeah, and and the joke, whether it's true or not, is that what the algorithm ultimately spit out was: if Sequoia le leads the uh -huh. A, 
you should lead the bee. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. So, yeah, I believe that. <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, so getting to your point about problems with neural networks, one of my, my other main theses that I'm investing across is um, non-neural network AI. Yeah. So I, I expect to see a resurgence in, um, you know, not just maybe older school data science, but... Um, uh, you know, evolutionary algorithms and mm -hmm. probabilistic programming yeah. um, and driven in part by the need for less data, in part by um, the need for explainability, yeah. uh, in part just by the fact that just neural networks can't do some things. Yeah, no, I think that's, neural networks are great, by the way, um, right? I, I'm, 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 a, I'm a big believer, but it, it should always be the right tool for the right problem and for a lot of problems out there. Um, yeah, neural networks might get you a slightly more accurate result, but maybe that accuracy is not worth it if you sacrifice explainability or if you, you know, sacrifice being able to look inside the model and know what's going on, right? And, and for those cases, the, the kinds of other approaches you describe are, are right on point. Awesome. Well, Ankit, thanks for being on the podcast today. Um, if you want to learn more about Intersect Labs, you can go to intersectlabs.io. Uh, thanks for listening. If you have guests you'd like us to have on the podcast or questions that you would like us to ask, you can send those to AI at work at pjc.vc. Thanks for listening. Awesome. Thanks a lot for having me.